Hello and welcome back to our podcast channel. My name is Elle. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And if you're new to our channel, welcome. Today, we're going to take a dive into a very interesting subject. As you all know, my topics kind of vary. (laughs) They come to me out of the blue, or maybe I'm watching something, reading something, heard something at the grocery store, which is not often because I don't actually go to the grocery store. I have my delivery made to my house. Anyway, (laughs) Um, so we're going to be talking about haunted jewelry. I actually wrote a short story recently that I will be featuring in my upcoming newsletter on February 15th. So if you haven't checked out my newsletter, part of the Thankiti Creations um, monthly release newsletter, please do so. It's on our website. It's free to download, free for everyone. It's just basically a collection of different segments, travel segments, crystals. I do poetry in there, feature other writers, other poets. It's really fun. But I wrote a short story on there about a haunted necklace. I'm very excited for people to read it because it was very fun to create. And that kind of is what spurred out this idea to look into historical known pieces that have gone through centuries of owners and why they're considered haunted. Now, I personally am not like a huge jewelry wearer person, wearer, right? That's a word. I don't wear a lot of jewelry is what I'm trying to say, although I do make a lot of it because I have my online shop. This is becoming like an advertisement for my website. Sorry, (laughs) but if you haven't checked it out, check it out. A lot of the jewelry that I have online is actually made. Either I make it or it's uh, sourced out from other creators. It's a lot of fun, Um, but back to topic I really wish I had a co-host because I feel like I derail a lot on my channel now just because I don't have someone to be like, focus. (laughs) So anyway, I'm not a a big type of a jewelry wearing kind of person. Um, I do, when I leave out of my home, I do usually wear like the, my evil eye stuff, my crystal beads and things like that. But as far as like gold and silver items, even when I was younger, it was very rare for me to have that on me. Um, although my parents really, you know, gifted me these necklaces and earrings often, I wasn't known to really wear them. I didn't actually get to wearing gold until maybe a few years ago. And even then, it's usually always put away. So definitely not <laughs> something that I like to to have on me all the time. Um, but it is something that I see others, you know, it's like part of their everyday fashion statement and it's awesome. And this is kind of why I wanted to be, you know, do a little bit of research and be like, hey, are there any cursed jewelry items? And the answer is yes. (laughs) So upon my research, I actually found three different pieces that are believed to be cursed and they go back centuries. The first piece we're going to talk about is the Black Prince Ruby, the Black Princess Ruby. So I'm sure you all have heard of mood stones. Basically, they change color according to your emotions or according to like your body temperature. I remember going to Six Flags pretty much every year since I was like 10. And every year I would get either a ring or a necklace or a bracelet that had that mood stone in it. 
And every year it would turn my finger or neck green because it was fake jewelry. And then I would go back and buy another one. It was just the way of life back then. (laughs) But the reason why this ruby was considered uh, a moonstone was because of the tragic occurrences that would happen after each owner had it for a while. So we're going to learn a little bit more about the Black Princess Ruby. This red stone known as the Black Princess Ruby was actually a low-value spinel. Given the name The Great Imposter, in the 14th century, the stone belonged to Abu Said, a prince of Granada, Peter of Castile, Castile, also known as Don Pedro the Cruel, desired Abu Said's wealth. Legend states he stabbed the prince to death. Then Don Pedro gave the ruby to the Black Prince, son of Edward III in England, in exchange for services rendered. The ruby worn during many battles included Agincourt, where Henry V wore it while almost dying when struck by a battle axe. Richard III wore the stone at the Battle of Bosworth, killed in battle. This cursed and haunted jewel has absorbed the hatred and anger of battle, caused misfortune and death on all its owners, including Henry VIII. So we go back to why was a mood ring? Basically, they're stating because, or a mood uh, jewelry piece. And basically, it's because they believe that having been worn through all these battles, it has absorbed all this negative energy. And whoever owns it from here on out is going to have terrible faith. So if you ever run into it, don't wear it. Don't own it. Don't buy it. (laughs) We're going to move on to the second uh, jewelry piece here. And this is called the Hope Diamond. This blue diamond actually was the inspiration behind the necklace in Titanic. If you all have seen Titanic, which who hasn't? It is a long movie. It was made in 19... 97, I believe. And it stars Leo DiCaprio, which who doesn't know Leo, and Kate Winslet. I remember watching this movie, and you know that there's that one spicy scene in the um, cart, right? Like the car thing? Wagon? (laughs) I was like seven, seven years old, maybe six. (laughs) And imagine watching that with your parents. Like, oh my god, it took me years to be able to rewatch that movie. It was just traumatizing also why were they watching it with me like they had to have seen the box at rated r anyway back to this the hope diamond was the actual inspiration behind the necklace that was um worn by rose in the movie and it was mined in india first owned by king louis the 16th worn by his wife marie antoinette louis only had the diamond for four years all ended when citizens beheaded both during the revolution the diamond transferred to the French National Treasury, stolen only a year later during looting. Then it was smuggled into London and ended up in the hands of King George VI. Then it was sold off after his death to pay off many debt. And the next owner was Simon Frankel, also sold to pay off debt. And then it ended up with socialite Evelyn Walsh McLean after she bought it. Um huge misfortune so apparently her daughter died of an overdose Uh, her son was in a car accident her husband died of brain atrophy the family business went bankrupt and 
now the cursed diamond now sits um, in the Smithsonian National Museum. So again, if you run into this jewelry piece, don't own it. Don't even look at it. Walk away. <laughs> that is intense. That's actually a lot. But again, it's like, do you see the pattern here? All these jewelry pieces so far have been stolen, have been, um, or have experienced tremendous wear and tear because they were worn during battles and during death. And it is crazy. All right. So our third and final jewelry piece is going to be the Delhi Purple Sapphire, originally stolen from the Temple of Indra in India in 1857 by a British soldier. From there, it fell into the hands of Colonel W. Ferris, or Coronel. Oh, okay, I know I can read English. <laughs> Who was extremely unfortunate from the very day he possessed it. He went bankrupt, lost everything he owned, his health took a rapid decline, and after dying, the stone was passed to his son, who also went bankrupt and fell sick. And then his son passed the stone off to a friend. The friend committed suicide, but the stone wasn't done with Ferris's son. The friend gifted it back. And from there, it found its way to, singer, to a singer who lost her voice and never sang again. An Englishman named Edward Heron Allen, who declared the sapphire to be stained with blood before throwing it into Regent's Canal. So it looks like it was thrown out to water. When the canal was dragged, I'm guessing when it was um, like dried out or like the water was taken out, the stone turned up and was given back to Heron Allen by a dealer. He locked it up inside seven locked boxes and inside a bank vault. Upon his death, the sapphire, actually an amethyst, was given to the Natural History Museum in London. So this guy literally, uh, Mr. Allen, Mr. Aaron Allen, tried to get rid of it, threw it in the, in the canal. It came back to him. He then locks it up in a safe. And now, you know, it was actually donated or given to the Natural History Museum in London. Yeah. Definitely don't ever give me, don't ever give me items that have been through hell and back. So much death, so much misfortune. You know, that kind of reminds me. I love going to like, not, not they're not thrift stores, but they're kind of like thrift stores, right? Uh, but they have more of a curious aspect to them. Like, um, I'm trying to really think of the word here, like antique shops, right? I love going to antique shops. Um, the art is really cool. Um, they sometimes have like certain species, you know, in jars, or they have like really cool old typewriters as an avid writer. I one day hope to own a typewriter, even though um, I'll have to learn how to take care of it. Or, you know, maybe I could just get one like off Amazon, like the more modernized ones. I know I'm, I'm terrible for that. But I can't imagine that if my typewriter I buy from a antique store breaks down, like who's going to fix it? Are there still people that fix them? I'm not sure. Maybe I'll have to learn. 
but I love going to antique shops for that reason. Not only do you find really awesome stuff, I've actually gone through jewelry boxes and then I decided not to buy anything because I'm always scared of this stuff. Like I don't want to be haunted by its previous owner. I don't want misfortune to come upon me because I was like, ooh, that's a pretty ring. Like I don't want any of that. <laughs> But I love going to these places and there's always the, the coolest people that own it. Like I remember a few years ago, I was able to like briefly talk to one of the owners and they always have such a great relationship with like the people who support them. It's really fun. Um, I definitely visited a few different locations uh, here in Austin in Texas. And I might have even gone to one or two when I was in Chicago as well. So I would say if, you know, there is an antique shop in your area, definitely go in there because they're always so friendly. The stuff is so cool. Don't buy any of the jewelry. It could be haunted or, you know, can cause really bad luck. <laughs> but have some fun. Go out there. Explore things. <laughs> All right. Well, this sums up this episode of Thank You to Creations podcast. Thank you for joining me and I hope you have a great rest of your day.